When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are now listening to the War Report Podcast Network. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the College Loop Podcast, episode 149 of the College Loop Podcast. I'm Dylan Archibald, Tank on forward slash X, and I'm here joining today by my co-host, Mr. Harrison Tar. Tar, how you doing, buddy? Hey, man, I'm good. I'm ready to talk some Auburn ball. I um, wanted to throw it out there. There was absolute cinema on TV yesterday. One, Auburn uh, Auburn Penn wound up being a fun little game, um, but we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But also, Caitlin Clark, man, I mean, I mean, cinema, truthfully. I mean, that is just uh, absolutely spectacular stuff. Good, good, good basketball on the men's side and the women's, uh, women's side last night. So a lot of entertaining stuff. Caitlin Clark's so her, dude. Like, we just did a little deep dive before the show. I didn't realize she was averaging 26 six as a freshman, and she has another year of eligibility. Um, yeah, women's basketball is really fun in college right now. Uh, like that's uh, that's super cool to see. But uh, yeah, ready to talk some Auburn ball. Just want to throw that one out there because I've watched that shot no less than seventy five times, um, and uh, I it's just fun to watch. So that's been consuming my time. Yeah, the the sound that ball made when it went through that hoop was oh just glorious, uh, euphoric even. Yeah, no. It was, uh, it was but speaking of cinema, if you've not been on Twitter today, you would have seen uh, Jalen Simpson's video, his thank you to Auburn video, because he is going to the NFL draft. One of the four defensive backs from this Auburn uh, secondary that's going to be entering the draft, and I think one of the three that's going to get drafted. Uh, interesting thing about his declaration. Uh, there was a there was not a there was a mention of Gus Malzahn and uh, Coach Coach Etheridge and Hugh Freeze and a few other coaches, but uh, there was a uh, he held he he asked for something without the starch. If you get what I'm putting down, uh, <laughs> Tatum Man was not put in the thank you video as he should not be. Uh, but Jalen Simpson is headed to the NFL draft. A guy who I see as a day two prospect. Right, I agree. And this DB room, I, I I have a lot of confidence in, in this young DB room coming into 2024. Uh, but really, really excited for Jason uh, and and hoping that he has a a good showing um, at Pro Day and beyond um, to uh, boost his draft stock. Uh, I think he could be a really valuable piece um, in a lot of places. Uh, so excited for him. And I'm going to go off script for a second here, Dylan. Just also throwing out there, uh, Bo Nix did accept his invite to the. Reese Senior Bowl, we can we can still say that. I'll be interested to see if he's going to go an all Oregon helmet, if he's going to go Oregon Auburn. Uh, that actually wouldn't shock me. That uh, would look sick. Yeah, that would be interesting um, and trigger some people, but I would not be surprised if there was some kind of tribute to Auburn. But I also would completely get it if it was all Oregon. Um, that dude is just going to try to prolong every single college snap he can ever try to take. And you know what? I'm in the vast majority. I think of a lot of people that are like, yeah, that's cool. Like soak it up. Like this has clearly been um, a great comeback story. Um, for, for for history, uh, and so really excited to see him play in the state of Alabama one more time uh, before before he heads to the NFL draft. And I I know some some people are in a different camp. I know that some of you listeners may be in a different camp, and that's fine. I respect your opinion. I will be uh, rooting for Bo Nix's success. Um, he's going to look really really good um, in that Pittsburgh Steeler black and gold. Uh, oh, the Atlanta Falcon. With that Atlanta Falcon, Falcon red and black. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, no, that, that's going to be a ton of fun. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you back on the script since you watched the uh, All-American game and I took a three-hour nap today. Yeah, that uh, that nap was probably more worthwhile than watching the All-American game because you did not hear a lot of Auburn Tigers get called in this game. Jalen Crawford, I think, was the only one I really heard a lot from because he made a lot of uh, PBUs and a lot of good plays and coverage, uh, but not a lot of – uh, calls for for Cam Coleman. Perry Thompson got a couple of catches, uh, but the quarterback play for the team fire was uh, not so fire, uh, if I must say. Uh, DJ Lagway, I think that's his name, the Florida signee. He got hurt early on, and then it got left to uh, Zeno and Grunkenmeyer 
think those two names. And one of is a South Carolina signee in Zeno and a Penn State signee in, in Grunkenmeyer. And with those two being called, you obviously know what the quarterback play was going to be be like in those games. Uh, but didn't really get their names called. Towns Magoo did get a kick. Uh, he got the he held the only points for Team Fire for I think a good four fifths of the game, uh, adjusting for time wise. Uh, but it was nice, it was cool to see him play on TV. Uh, it's the first time I've ever got to see all these Auburn signees actually play in an actual game. Uh, sadly, the team with Ryan Williams did have a good game. Uh, still up in the air on where he's going to go. Uh, if you have not heard recently, Alabama's wide receivers coach, who is the primary recruiter for uh, Ryan Williams to Alabama, he is off to Texas A&M. Yeah. So best case scenario, Auburn. Uh, middle case scenario, A&M. Worst case, he sticks with Alabama. But it's not here nor there. But it was a, it, it's, a fun, it's a fun time to watch all these guys because you get to watch all the signees on TV, all the commitments. Uh, you got to watch Lane Kiffin miss out on a, one of the top prospects from Mississippi live on television. Uh, but it's always a fun time. It, it's better. I find it more enjoyable in the Pro Bowl. I only have one grievance uh, about the All-American games, um, whether that be you know, the U.S. Uh, Army All-American or the Under Armour um, next, whatever that, that may, may make it get, get into the different variations. Uh, I would kind of be a proponent of making the skills contest. Um, I, I just I'm not I'm not big on letting kids get hurt um in, in in that kind of situation especially when they're going into spring ball uh and you, you saw it happen today it's unfortunate these, these are 18 year old young men uh, 17 18 year old young men that are getting ready to start the biggest chapter of, of their career to this point hopefully not peak truthfully wishing them all the best um i'd be more about kind of not like i don't want to say like a flag uh, but like kind of a seven on seven um kind of uh, procedure there and then have skills uh, skills contests that you could broadcast as live you could still have those commitments live on live television i think people would still watch and I think you'd get a whole lot more excitement out of those out of high school kids than you do at the Pro Bowl, like you said, because they'd be motivated to be there. And it's, it's an exciting step for them. Uh, I really don't love them playing a game. I don't. Um, I don't love the just the potential of, of really, you know, these kids trying to outshine each other early. I get it. It's in the spirit of competition. Love it. Want to see, you know, harsh com, you know, competitiveness from all those guys. But let all your guys get flowers in terms of, like, get run routes and, and, and actually get to show off their skills kits, toolkit. Don't let them hit. I know they sub a lot. I get that. But, like, don't I, – I don't like them hitting each other. I'm just going to be honest. It also would hurt if they did, like, a seven-on-seven seven or something like that yeah. instead of going full-on pads on because Florida fans out there probably held their breath whenever they saw their quarterback of the future uh, exit the game early with an injury to his foot. Uh, and I already know Florida fans were already up in the air on whether or not they're going to be keeping all of their signees uh, right. the remainder of this recruiting cycle. Uh, but yeah, I I completely agree. I, I think the game doesn't really need it, it. Can be competitive without the prospect of ruining futures. Yeah, and it also would be kind of cool to see like kicking competitions and uh, like DB route running competitions. Those are fun. Like there there's plenty of of things to do that would not involve physical contact. Put them put them all on helmets. Put them all on padded helmets. To be honest with you, um, and let them play seven on seven. That's just. Yeah. I know I sound like a worried parent, but like I just I, I hate the, con- the the idea that one of these kids could go out and get seriously hurt before they could go be immediate impact and have to instead of getting getting this uh, you know spring camp and being able to get on that weight regimen, get on that routine, and actually start immersing themselves into a, a program that they can be immediate impacts in, having to battle an injury first. It's just it's, it's a shitty way to start your career, and it's not fair to anybody. Um, that's not me like complaining. It's just. A suggestion, a humble suggestion from the College Loop podcast. Let's go seven on seven in in those All American games and let those kids still get their flowers, still put on the big antics. I love it; they they they've earned it. But let's 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 find a way to dial that back a little bit. Um, God, I mean, it was two years ago. A young man got a concussion in one of the All American games. I mean, what the hell? That is what you what, what you absolutely don't want. So let them save the concussions for the football season. Those are kind of inevitable sometimes, but don't make them don't make them hit in January. It's dumb. Completely, completely agree. Uh, but just to move on from the UA, uh, next uh, up next All American game, whatever it's called, uh, uh, another another contender has entered the ring. Uh, as Caden Salter, the Liberty quarterback, has announced that he would be entering the NCAA transfer portal, fresh off of their huge blowout loss to Oregon in the Sun Bowl. 
I believe that game was in Arizona. So no, it was the uh, Fiesta Bowl. Fiesta Bowl. There we go. Yep. One of the other Arizona Bowl games. Uh, Caden Salter on the year, uh, he threw for 2,800 yards, 32 touchdowns, only had six interceptions, also added 1,089 yards on the ground with 12 touchdowns as well. Video numbers. <laughs> yeah, dude. Dude, play on, play on rookie mode over there in CUSA. Also a guy, if you know if Liberty doesn't sound familiar to you, that's where Hugh Freeze was uh, for a few years, and he was recruited by Coach Hugh Freeze. Uh, him entering the portal, I think, was uh, – people were pretty much assuming it was going to happen. It kind uh, of felt like it got manifested, actually. Like, more yeah. than anything, it was kind of – people were like, okay, you need to go play ball somewhere else uh, where you can actually uh, build some draft stock. Um, but, I mean, there, the Malik, Malik Willis comparisons were there, so. Yeah. I, again, I hate it whenever the markets are made before a guy even thinks about entering the portal because I, I don't know how much of it actually gets affected by the – that affects the players – but it does get tiresome at times whenever everyone's already making a market for a guy who probably wants to stay loyal to the team that recruited him. But he is in the portal. I will say I I'm, I'm in. It has me torn because I think Caden Salter has the ability to be a next level, uh, superstar level talent at quarterback because of what he possesses on both through the air and through the uh, on the ground because he's a true dual threat. <clears throat> it's not every day you get a quarterback who can who can go out there and throw for almost 3,000 yards and put up another 1,000 on the ground. And the, one of the few guys I know that do that, uh, they win Heismans. Uh, at the, but you're not going to get a Heisman at Liberty unless you just throw for like 5,000 and rush for 2,000, I think. Because uh, right. I, <laughs> I think the last quarterback to do that, to rush for that many yards was like Keenan Reynolds from Navy. And he finished like top 10, I think. Right. Uh, but I, I – I know, Tari, you have a couple of opinions on this, and I have a few of my own. I'll let you kind of open up with that. You see, here's my thing. I think, I think, I think Salter's got the goods. I do, um, and I think that he 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 would fit into a Hugh Freeze offense beautifully. I uh, actually, I think he could be an X factor guy, and someone that could come in and and really be a, a difference maker. And I certainly think he'd be an upgrade from Peyton Thorne. Here's my reservation on this. Um, Hugh Freeze has already come out come out and said that his eggs are in the Peyton Thorne basket. And this is one of those intangible PR looks, folks. I want y'all to remind everybody I did receive a minor PR. Um, so this is kind of where my brain goes. Um, it, it is not a great look within your first 18 months as at the helm of a, of a, of a program to say, we're going to stick with this guy and then kind of go back on your words. Um, I'm sure Hugh Freeze, uh, if he had any inkling that Salter was going to hit the portal, um, that was, I guess, beautiful coach speak to make it not look like he knew, but I, I doubt it. Um, I'm sure he's kind of biting his tongue there uh, and sort of saying, mm, maybe we should have held off a little bit longer. But at the same time, I, I don't know that you, you can touch a portal quarterback now. I, I think that you've, you've, you've already kind of laid all, the, all your chips. I, there's a, a beautiful uh, analogy by, by, uh, by I believe, Herb Street um, and during, the, during the Rose Bowl, sliding your chips in the middle of the table early. Um, and and, and I, I think that, that Hugh Freeze may have already slid his chips in the middle of the table. Um, and and said, hey, this is our guy, or this is our room, if nothing else. This is our room. This is what we're going to work with. Uh, I, I don't know that you can. I think you, you lose. It's a culture thing, right? Uh, I don't. I, don't, I think you lose support within your quarterback room because if, if Salter comes in, you're losing one. And it's, it's, if it's not Thorne, it's Gardner. Someone's gone. Um, someone's going to hit that late portal window. Um, so I don't know. Double-edged sword. Um, certainly think you'd help the offense. I think he fits the RPO well, slings the rock well. Obviously, an elusive runner, but I, I just I don't know that you can do it, Dylan. I don't think that it's in the cards. Well, I look at it from well, Hugh Freeze would come out and say early on before the bowl game, I'm, I, I'll add that he was going to stick with Thorne going to 2024, but then that bowl game did happen. And we saw a Peyton Thorne that looked like he did, he looked midseason form. And that's not a compliment in the slightest. Sure. Horton Gurner came in late game, one for six with an interception. Didn't really impress after what all we've heard from Holden Gurner. Hank Brown came in and made a couple of throws. And then after the game, uh, after Auburn lost 31-13, the quarterback battle is back open. It's anyone's ball game for who's going to get that. Uh, it could be anyone from Hank Brown to Walker White to Peyton Thorne to Holden Gurner. It won't be Sawyer Pate because he's entered the, he's entered the portal. Uh, but every, anyone else who's still on the team has a chance to win that starting job if they just ball out enough. 
I think if you get a certified baller in Caden Salter, I think you get your guy. Because I think what we established early on in the transport talks is we didn't want to spend the entire offseason talking about transporter quarterbacks like we did last year. Because uh, every single episode was, when is Grayson McCall going to come to Auburn? Is he going to come to Auburn? And I still have that graphic saved on my phone uh, expecting it to happen. And now it just haunts me for my photo album. Uh, but you're looking at a guy in Caden Salter who uh, has who, who has ties to Hugh Freeze, and we've been asking if we're going to get a transporter quarterback, get a guy who's an automatic, like he is without question better than Peyton Thorne. Without question, the guy going into spring ball. Exactly. A guy who you can look at from spring to summer to fall, that's your guy, develop him over the offseason. And, I, I mean, with Caden Salter – you have more film to go off of that he can be an X-factor quarterback than you do with Peyton Thorne. Peyton Thorne had a good year in Michigan State when Kenneth Walker and all those other players were there and Cam Coleman were there. And then Kenneth Walker left and there was a fall-off. There was a little drop-off from the productivity-wise. Caden Salter, he saw the loss of his head coach and and walks Jimmy Chadwell, and then he immediately he, he steps up his game. Uh I will say the injuries did come up a lot during Hugh Freeze last year. Liberty, the quarter, there was like four or five quarterbacks that played for Liberty that year. No. So I don't, I don't want to say there's any like rough patches with Hugh Freeze because uh, there's probably, there's definitely probably not. It was just injuries galore over there. At also, Salters, I mean, Hugh Freeze has called plays for Salter before. I exactly. Mean, there is that. There is that. Because it's not, I, I don't want to get back in the quarterback drama, but I would, if we get back into it, I would like it to be this is the guy, let's get this guy, get him early, and then. Stick with them. Well, I, at, that, at that point, it's got to be Salter or bust. I mean, uh, exactly. if, 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 at this stage in the portal, at, in this stage, in this – where we're at in terms of looking at it, guys, we're not that far out from, from starting to talk about spring ball. We're not. Uh, at, at, at this stage, it's got to be you're getting your guy right now or you're, you're, you're playing the hand that you dealt. Uh, bowling's not an option, and sitting there and, and calling for another card is not an option either. Uh, so you've got to. I'm, I'm going all in on the poker uh, analogies today. I'm sorry, but it, you, you've got to make up your mind. Uh, it can't be a. Uh, we'll see what happens in the late portal window. It's now or never, in my opinion, um, for for this cycle at that bare minimum. My also upside I kind of forgot about. I'm sorry if I'm cutting you off here, Dylan, or from taking this out of your mouth. I know we kind of share thoughts sometimes, but Salter could be your bridge to Walker White. He's got another year of eligibility. After 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 this upcoming football season, unless I'm mistaken and just horribly wrong, but I, I'm, I'm uh, his I'm, first I'm, year was 2021. Yeah, so mathematically has to be <laughs> eligible remaining after this season. So you could have a two year guy, your two year developmental window for Walker White, and then three years and hopefully the league for Walker White. Right? It would make some sense. It's just going to draw some tensions. Well, and it comes down to. If you bring in a guy, you're going to lose a guy or two. I don't know how likely it is. I, I think that your mainstays, I, if you bring in a Caden Salter, are going to be the ones you pretty much assume are going to be there in the fall and, you know, Hank Brown and Walker White. I think if you bring in a guy like Caden Salter, Garner's gone. Yeah. I don't know if Thorne can transfer. Uh, he might be able to because of the transportal rules, but those change every month. So I think I, I, the same right now. They benefit him tremendously. I think he could leave immediately. Yeah, and and with that, I mean, it, at that point, what stops he free from just going and get one of these other transportal guys who aren't going to land anywhere, and you just get another depth piece? It just completely overhaul the quarterback room because the quarterback room didn't really impress, uh, and that's something that's in the cards in this new era of, of the transfer portal and, and college football. It rules the sport. Because now it's no longer full-on high school recruiting to build your brand early on. I mean, the good coaches still do that, but now it's to maintain where you to maintain constant, like uh, what's what's wrong looking for uh, on the field uh, words continuity continuity. You have to go through the transfer portal and getting these guys because at this point of the sport, the transfer portal is just as important to a team as high school recruiting is. Sure. And if you lose two quarterbacks, let's just pick up another one. Uh, it's free agency at this point. Uh, but Caden Salter, I think if you get him, I think the skills that he possesses, what we've seen him do at the geo, at, at a good G5 school, uh, at, a, at a pretty competent G5 conference, I would say, because, I mean, one of, those, one of those teams did 
hand it to Auburn and Jordan-Hare Stadium, it's kind of hard to not see the upside of going out and getting Salter. Absolutely agree. It's um, it, it, it's not about not seeing the upside. It's just, yeah. are you willing to make that 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 move, uh, knowing that you're you're burning and you're kind of uh, burning the fuse at both ends uh, in, in terms of. So at some point they got to meet in the middle, and it's either going to work or it's not. Um, so uh, it's a balance of keeping your locker room too, right? Right. Uh, you, yeah. you you can't lose the guys that that you worked your ass off to keep here, and that you worked your ass off to buy in. I mean, it's 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 a tightrope. I, I sure as hell wouldn't want to be in Coach Freeze's position right now because you're in that in that spot where you're like, this guy, I think we could go get him. Maybe I don't I don't know. This is just a speculating, right? All speculation. This is a guy we could not pick up the phone and call, uh, but I don't know if we can. Like in terms of and 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 keep it, keeping my guys in intact and, and having some kind of uh, I guess um, everyone's still gelling together and not not fracturing that. Um, this team certainly. The remain remainder of the of, of the program that's there right now is is on board. Um, how do you not lose that? I, I don't know, man. I would not want to be. I would not want to be in that office. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to think. Because I mean, you've had all, we've had a lot of the players come out and say, you know, we got to get all these people who aren't on the same mindset out of here. All these people need to leave. The people that aren't that don't want to win here need to go. Sure. Like all that and. If you change it up from one of the uh, probably the most important position to have a a solid caliber player at is the quarterback room, and you know you already you brought in Peyton Thorn late, and then you immediately gave him the C on his chest to say he was a captain and a leader on this team, and he showed aspects of that. We and I think a lot of people on this team showed aspects of being a leader, uh, but you look at it from. Is the are the, is the team sold on Peyton Thorne? And that's a question that you can ask yourselves and give your own opinions on. But no one's in the locker room. No one knows how the how the team feels about Peyton Thorne. No one knows how the team feels about Holden Gurr. No one, no one's in the locker room. No, no, none of the Auburn Twitter fans are in the locker room. No one knows these players are thinking at any given time. But does does bringing in Caden Salter does that really harm at, at a real aspect? Looking at it at, on paper, how much does bringing in Caden Salter affect the chemistry of the team? If on paper it does look like you're getting a better quarterback, that's a million dollar question, my friend. I wish I had the answer. I really, I really do. It's it's just a concern I have uh, in terms of, of of keeping this group together. I think that I mean I think this Auburn team could be a hell of a lot better next year, um, and I think they could make a tremendous stride toward where they want to be. Uh, it, it is going to take everybody being on the boat though, and 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 no one trying to swim upstream. So I don't know, man. Your speculation is as good as mine. Um, to be quite frank, and and this in this realm, the Twitter speculation is just as good as mine uh, because I, I mean we're not in that in those meetings, we're not in those locker rooms, and like I said earlier, I don't envy the people that are right now. I really don't. Um, and for the first time, I say that because this could be a positive change, not because of a negative change. But I really don't envy those decision-making um, opportunities. That's why I don't coach ball. Um, and that, and I could not draw up a defensive scheme if you asked me to that would be successful against the SEC. Um, yeah, actually, defense, I think I'd stand a better chance than offense. <laughs> I, I, could write a, I could probably write up a scheme or two to help like beat like a Vanderbilt team or something like that. Yeah, I would. I'd feel good about um, what was the what's the team used to play in NCAA fourteen FCS Southwest. I I think we could do that. I don't know. Those teams always give you give you <laughs> crap every time you play, especially on Heisman. There's always there's always that one. They run the triple option, like <laughs> good lord. And I mean, and we get the new NCAA game this year too, so that's gonna be a little fun. I, I got myself a new Xbox for Christmas for that reason. <laughs> I will be spending the money for it as well. I got a steal on my man. Walmart was giving those suckers away day after Christmas. I was like, come to Poppy. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> let's, keep, let's keep moving. Let's talk about the on three grades uh, for first year coaches um, presented. It's certainly one of the lists of all time. It's um, something. It is one of the lists of all time. Hugh Freeze graded at a C and a couple other names there, but we'll start there, Dylan. Um, your thoughts on on three giving Hugh Freeze a C. Uh, I'll, I'll give my, my thoughts. I'm going to spoil it. I don't entirely disagree but i'll let you go i mean i i don't i don't think he'd be like that much higher i don't know if he's great he but it, bringing in recruiting into the mix 
I think there's an argument for it to be a little higher. Sure, because sure. Because it's a top 10 class in its first full first full cycle, per se. Uh, you flipped a lot of guys from Alabama and Georgia and LSU and Florida. Uh, and you just turned Auburn's entire future around because now everyone's looking at how bright the future looks and kind of looking back at what ha- what happened as like, well, this happened, but look what we can do next year with this with this new uh, roster that is going to be one of the more talented per like uh, the metrics. Uh, sure. But I, I can understand the the C grade if it's on the field results because yep. six and seven is pretty middle of the road as the C. I don't know if I'd give them a straight up C, and I don't know if I'd rank some of these other coaches ahead of them, uh, especially just co- just a comparison. I don't think Matt Rule deserves a plus beside his C over Hugh Freeze because I think that, yeah, cool, Matt Matt Rule took Dylan Riola from Georgia. I'm glad he did. But I don't think there was enough positive reinforcement from Nebraska to give him the edge over Hugh Freeze because Hugh Freeze played in a bowl game. Nebraska did not. Yeah, I mean, there there is that. Uh, I I really don't have a ton to add there, Dylan. You, you, You hit the nail on the head. If it's on-field results, I'm, I'm cool to see. Absolutely cool to see. I think that you have to look at this list from on-field results. Um, and there are certainly some head-scratchers uh, with that metric. Uh, but that's the way I can justify um, a lot of these is, is on-field results. And I'm, I'm kind of leaving recruiting out of the equation. Uh, I think, I, honestly, if you're going to grade it anything different than a C, I think C-, minus. I think that actually the one of the worst losses in program history can hurt you severely. Um, so I, I think that's kind of a generous uh, grade there. But I, I, I don't disagree with this in terms of on-field results. There were some head-scratching play calls, Dylan. I mean, let's not let's not forget it. Um, it there was an element of a couple times this year I, I kind of thought to myself and spoke to some friends and getting you and kind of in confidentiality that I'll now come out and say it and kind of looked at, and, at each other and said, is Hugh even trying to win this year? Uh, there, there were some times where it's like, do you give a shit about the game that's being played this week as opposed to playing in 2024? There are justified questions to be asked, by the way, Auburn fans. You can ask those things. I'm not putting you on the hot seat. But there were plenty of times you looked and said, what the hell are you doing? I mean, it's, it's almost like you forgot that you played a ball game this week. Well, it's like what we talked about today in the last episode, uh, talking about the New Year's Revolution. Like, I, I'm, I, there's no more excuses uh, going to this year. Sure. In terms of you can't look at it and like, well, we're not trying to win now. We're right. th- This isn't my full team yet. This is not – a roster that I want yet. This is I don't love roster. those excuses in the first place, by the way. Those are not good. You're just – you're trying deflecting to evade – you're deflecting. You're evading the, the questions in front of you because you went out and got a top three transfer portal class. You went out and turned a top 65 recruiting class into a top 25. Uh, newsflash, there's only two five-stars playing in the national championship. Right. Like the, the, uh, the high school recruiting, yeah, it can help it does a lot for your program because all the best coaches recruit well at the high school level. But in this new era of college football, you can build a championship caliber program within an off season. Sure. It's happening. Or at least make, giant, make large strides to do so. Exactly. I, and like, that's why I'm the least, I, I'm trying to push back my fear of, of, of Ole Miss going to next year because they're recruiting like mad dogs in the transfer portal. And they have an easy schedule because they don't have to play. I think they only. I think they might have Alabama. They don't have Alabama. They only have Georgia. They don't have either Alabama school, and, and on their schedule going the next year, and they're just pretty favorable. But I mean, looking at it from that point of view, I mean, their championship programs playing in their pro, their programs turning into championship programs for what they do in the portal. You brought in a bunch of guys from the portal. You should be able to win seven, eight games. Based on the schedule you were given, you know, because if you win New Mexico State, you have seven wins. Right. And if a couple other plays go your way, you're a nine-win team who upset Georgia and Alabama. Because you have the talent to compete because, you know, the differences between a transfer portal guy and a and a high school guy? The, co- the, the transfer guy has seen the collegiate field before. Sure. They know what it takes to win at the collegiate level. So you can't come out and say, "Oh, well, I don't have my guys yet. I don't have this yet. I don't have my quarterback yet. I don't." You can't throw your players under the bus and expect the team kind of to mesh well with that. Like, I, I, some of the culture issues can start with the coach. Yeah, and, and it's up to Hugh. It's up to Hugh Freeze to turn that culture around. I don't think he failed abysmally. I don't think he failed abysmally this year, but I don't, I don't think he succeeded. 
um, in terms of, and it's okay to be critical and still say that this, this program is headed in the right direction. Those things do can coexist. They absolutely can coexist. But at the same time, you look at this year and you're six and seven to wrap up year one. Let's be honest, folks, that is not an improvement um, from the past couple of years. It, it is not. I know you won five last year, whatever, but you lost the same number of games you did a year ago. And the year before that, six and seven as well. I mean, Auburn's not had a seven-win season in, in several years now. Um, this is an interesting uh, talking point that I think we, we, we kind of let get off scot-free uh, and, and large about, you know, Hugh Freeze has done a phenomenal job in the recruiting trail. Uh, and and, and I, I don't doubt that this program's going to be fine. I, I, I truthfully believe that. Make it look like you're trying to win your ballgames now. Not only do the do you deserve not sorry, you deserve that, but like not only does the program deserve that, but the fans deserve that as well. Make aggressive play calls. Don't get overly conservative. That happened all year. That happened all year. Um, all we'd heard about is aggressive Hugh Freeze, aggressive Hugh Freeze, and then we got like somewhat. I might have said something borderline uh, political at Thanksgiving dinner. Hugh Freeze, like borderline. Uh, you know what I mean? Like not aggressive Hugh Freeze. Uh, and and you know things can change. And, you know, hopefully he looks back and says, there's some things I can do differently. Obviously, obviously you can always improve, um, but things you can look back and, and say that, um, you know, there is a ton of room for improvement on all ends of this. Uh, that being said, let's kind of keep it rolling. Just a couple of other uh, pieces named uh, above the ranked higher than Hugh Freeze. I know that you're going to talk about Deion Sanders getting B here for a second. And I won't spend a ton of time on all of these because it's not offered centric, but I'll, I'll let you say your piece in here in a second. Um, Kenny Dillingham receiving a C plus. Okay. Um, I, one stands out to me below Q Freeze uh, is Luke Fickle. Uh, I think C minus is generous. I, I I don't think Wisconsin was nearly what people thought Wisconsin could be, even all well, expectations put aside. Fickle had the same kind of off season that that Hugh Freeze had. Kind of got your quarterback in late. I, I believe. I well, I, I I'm going off of what I remember. I I think the Tanner Mordecai was a late addition to the team a guy to kind of bring in and kind of be your starting quarterback. But Wisconsin never really did anything special. Um, they had a roster that could have made some noise in the Big Ten East. But then again, the Big Ten East is a pile of trash. And hallelujah that they're getting rid of the divisions over there in the Big Ten because they should have gotten rid of them years ago. Uh, just because I'm sick and tired of a seven of a five-loss five Iowa team always making it to the Big Ten championship against whoever wins the, the, the Michigan-Ohio State game. Uh, but – and it is worth saying, in the same instance, I do think Hugh Freeze is up to a higher grade because I think there was more improvement than regression from last year's team to this year's team, unlike Wisconsin, who I think there was more regression than improvement. Agreed. And um, and you mentioned Deion Sanders. Uh, B is entirely too high uh, for his first year campaign. Although I will I will give flat give his famous flowers. I mean, winning four wins, uh, getting securing four wins after only winning a game the year before at uh, that program. I mean, they were in the dumpster in the gutter. So, and I and I, I truthfully, this can upset some people. I know that not everybody's a huge fan of Dion. I do think that he's going to succeed at Colorado. I think it was a kind of a perfect fit at Colorado. I completely get that. Um, Matt Rule, C plus. What the hell? Um, Zach Arnett, D minus. Obviously, bro doesn't have a job. Um, Ryan Walters, <laughs> C minus. Correct. Um, Should have got fired too. I think that guy. Yeah, one hundred percent. Dude, I, I love Cincinnati so much and watching what Scott Satterfield did. I don't know what Cincinnati was thinking hiring him. Yeah, not horrid. But I will say, to my point about Deion Sanders, I do agree. He did quadruple the win total from last year. Yeah, literally. He did, he did bring in a bunch of new exposure to a Colorado team, whether it just be for Colorado football or just for Dion and Shadour. Uh, my thing is, like, it's hard for me to give – like I, I, you're about to get to Brent Key in a second because I know he, you, he's the key to your heart uh, at this point. Uh, it's it's hard for me to give a, a give a, a coach like an A plus unless they win like a, a game they're really not supposed to, and it's hard for me to give a, a B to a to a coach who didn't make a bowl game. Yeah, uh, especially because they started off so hot. They beat Nebraska and they beat TCU and they were riding high. They got ranked for the first time in like a decade or whatever. Uh, but the season never went the way that they that the media wanted it to go. I, I I think B is fishing for for comments for exposure of your of your post because he's I I I would vary the C plus range for 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 what he's doing because his recruiting trail it's okay it's not doing numbers they're back in the portal again I don't I don't know how well they're going to be able to recruit the portal 
year in and year out because at some point you have to go deep into the high school ranks to develop your program into the program that it can be because Colorado is a program that you With have the, you have the loyal fan bases you have the atmosphere in Buffalo that is just beautiful I mean Buffalo is one of the most beautiful towns in the country uh and also Boulder but yeah Boulder I don't know why I was saying Buffalo yeah. <laughs> but yeah Boulder Dion has the charisma and the X factor level personality that you want out of a coach that can do that. Everything about it screams that he's going to be successful, successful at Colorado, but year one, it's hard not to, it's hard to give it a B level grade because of the eight loss. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if you're, if you're going to make it an intangible argument and we're, we're talking, uh, we're looking at these objectively on field results and I a hundred percent agree, hundred percent agree. But if you're looking at, uh, the intangibles. A lot of people got really fed up and annoyed with the uh, Colorado uh, glazing from all this, all, all the media outlets. Dion did exactly what he set out to do at Colorado. Um, folks, publicity, no matter how much the casual fan gets fed up with seeing it, um, that kind of publicity and that kind of hype around a program, folks, you're seeing it all over your social media. Where are the recruits at? They're all over the social media. I'm, I'm, I'm not like I'm, I work in a collegiate recruiting office. At the academic on the academic side, but I can firsthand tell you there is good numbers and good metrics behind generating buzz around whatever you're trying to sell. Um, in terms of hey, these kids are coming here and having a lot of fun. There's a lot of belief and a lot of hope. Um, we we do that at, at my job every single day. Um, that our our students have a great time, have a great experience. Not that different, honestly, except for we can you know actually give our students money. That's a little different, but like <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying. Like uh, having that perspective kind of changed my outlook on all this. In terms of, I would love for my, my my place of work to get this kind of exposure, because kids are looking and saying, "All right, I don't know much about Colorado. They've not been really good in my lifetime, regardless of if I college followed college football or not." What what's going on? What what's what's Deion Sanders? I know him. You know, he's he's got a huge story. His sons are good. You know, what what's going on at, at Colorado? I was successful. I mean, people around the country are talking about Colorado. When was the last time that happened? When they shared a wrongfully earned. Uh, national championship in 1991 with the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, which should be full, fully possessed by Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Colorado got five downs, not going there. But this group, uh, he, he did what he set out to do. If his hype is annoying you, you're not his target audience. He doesn't care. Uh, he, and he's done a phenomenal job of it. The guy is, say what you want, a marketing genius. And at, at, a, at, a, at an extent, folks, recruiting is marketing. I mean, recruit, it, it is not that different. Um, yes, this is my sales pitch to any university that would like for me to come recruit for their athletics department. God, I would love to. Um, that's something that is a bucket list. NIL is my bucket list, man. I want to work at NIL so bad. Uh, but I think that if you're if you're looking at the intangibles, I can get it. But I'm with you. Eight losses is eight losses, and and building up uh, some serious momentum just for it all to fall apart is it, it's, it's not great. And the clear lack of attention to detail in the offensive front. It, it's uh, there, there's plenty of things to point uh, fingers at outside of that. And this is my last piece. We'll I'll roll, roll, roll into our ad still. And I'm going to be very, very quick, very, very brief. Brent key, the highest rated on this list at Georgia tech um, folks, Georgia tech's got their guy. And that's not just coming from a tech fan. And I, I am um, tech fan second, just so all you guys are clear. But uh, I mean, what a remarkable job Brent key did at Georgia tech this year. Um, that program was just as dead as Colorado, just as dead as Colorado. Um and Jeff Collins. I would say um, just as good. Um, they faced last like decade though. Success. That's true. I'm 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 in, in terms of point of program. Um, like yeah. where they were standing. Um, Jeff Collins won like ten games in four years at all, at George Tech. So, anyways, um, yeah, I don't that guy can eat shit. But anyways, um, what what Brinke did at George Tech is a model for a school like that. Like Virginia Tech should mo- replicate that model. Um, there are plenty of other schools that I could, I could probably go. Stanford should follow that model. Cal should follow that model in terms of um, how you how you sell your program. Uh, and and Brinke's done a phenomenal job. Not to mention we got one of the greatest quotes of the bowl season. Oh, it's Powerade where Coca Cola school. Um, that guy is my coach. Period. Uh, my life coach. Um, Hugh Freeze coaches my alma mater's football team, and I support them. But Brinke is my my coach and my heart and soul. Okay, that being said, that's going to wrap up the football talk for today. Before we hop into Auburn basketball, I want to remind everybody, first off, you guys are the best listeners on planet Earth, period. And if you're listening from another universe, you're the best listeners in the universe. So that's awesome. Um, And please comment and let us know how the hell that's going. How's life on Mars? 
let's uh, let's just remind you guys. The number one way that you guys can support the College League Podcast, and you guys are the best at it, truthfully. Uh, you guys are such an outpouring of support. And the amount of Happy New Year's we got, like, Chris, I mean, come on now. Like, that was just the nicest thing to see on, on New Year's Day. Seriously, it was, it's so, so refreshing to see you guys so bought in, and, and it means the world to us. Hit likes and subscribe on the YouTube channel. Make sure you ring the bell so you can stay up to date with everything going on right here at the College League Podcast. Make sure you follow us on our social media platforms. If you're watching the YouTube stream, drop a comment. Give us your thoughts on on the Salter rumors. Give us your thoughts on the All-American Bowl. How would you fix that? And your thoughts on the coaching rankings, all that and beyond. And whatever we're about to talk how, about. How here. would you grade Hugh Freeze's first season? How would you grade Hugh Freeze's first year? We're about to talk Auburn men's hoops. Definitely want to hear y'all's feedback on that as well. If you're not watching on the YouTube stream, what's up, guys? Thank you guys so much for listening to the audio version. We appreciate the hell out of you guys. You guys are the best. Make sure you give us a five stars, thumbs up, whatever the highest rating is on your streaming platform of choice. We're on like seven zillion of them. Dylan will tell you at the end of the show. And make sure you share the show with any of your friends that are interested in the Auburn sphere, SEC sphere, or in, I don't know, literally any specific uh, thing that we've ever talked about. If they're barbecue enthusiasts, send them our way. We so are we. Um, so thank you guys continually helping us grow this show. Uh, it, it means everything to us, especially coming into the new year with a fresh slate and a new exciting slate of Auburn athletics to talk about. Moving forward, if you guys want to continue to support the College League Podcast, help us hashtag grow the brand and you're feeling loopy, you can head over to theboreport.com, pick up your very own College Loop War Report Podcast Network co-branded feeling loopy t-shirt. That comes in five different colorways, $25. If you don't feel like typing the link into the search bar, neither do we. It is in the description for every single one of our shows. Pick up your very own feeling loopy t-shirt. Use hashtag feeling loopy, feeling without the G on whatever social media platform makes you the happiest. And tag us, and it will make sure to throw it up on the next stream, next show. You guys are the best, the reason for the season, if you will. Love every single one of you guys. Let's talk Auburn basketball, Dylan, right here on the College Loop Podcast. I got a second win there. We're doing well. Auburn thumped Penn. It, it was a thumping, guys. I know that it kind of got a little close there for a second, but this was a thumping. 88-68 on Tuesday night. And hello, is that 2019 Auburn? Is that you for the first eight minutes, 12 minutes? <laughs> Forever thought Auburn was going to just shoot the damn building down on Tuesday night. Cooled off eventually, but a lot, a lot, a lot of good things came out of this game, Dylan. Oh, just loads of it. I mean, starting off, it's hard not to start off the conversation by talking about how Janai Broom shot 75% from the three-point line. I think what I heard was a 17, uh, like, missed streak from the three-point line came out yesterday, or uh, two days this comes out. Uh, and shot the lights out three for four. Uh, went 75% from the free throw line, too. Only missed one of those, and also had a double double 24 points, 12 rebounds, two assists, one steal, three blocks, et cetera, et cetera. Janai Broom again proving that he is one of the top players in the country. But this game just absolutely went off. I mean, the three pointers were just galore. And the funny thing about that is Aiden Holloway only made one of those. Yes. Stop me if you've heard this before, and, and uh, spoiler alert, you can't stop me because you've not heard this before. Janai Broom, three of four from the three-point line. Guys, this is him putting down film to show the NBA that he can he can develop a new shooter, like a, I guess like a stretch four, like an actual like a multi-tool guy. Holy hell, that guy keeps getting better. I, I, that was my one little interruption on the three-pointer, Dylan. I'll let you, I'll let you cook. I'm sorry. I, I, was, I was impressed. I mean, Janai has been trying to, uh, trying to prove that he can be a perimeter shooter, which is important in the league. And he's he's doing it. So like, what else you want? <laughs> and they they did do a pretty decent job of shutting down the perimeter for Penn. Penn came in with a very high three point percentage as a team and shot a little bit below their average at thirty five, which is still pretty good uh, for for college basketball. Uh, and I mean, going through the entire box score, I mean, we got all this other. We have a, a huge game to talk about for Saturday. Uh, this team just looked complete. Uh, yet again, from the offensive side of the ball, uh, you know, you kind of slowed down in the second half, but at some point you got to start managing minutes and the, the game was well in hand going into halftime. Uh, right. But Denver Jones came out, did very good, put up 12 points. Uh, Katie Johnson came off the bench, put up 11. And then I stopped me third this before Chad Baker Mazzara came off the bench and absolutely looked awesome yet again. Uh, he had a beautiful, beautiful block from the three-point line in that game as well. Chad Baker-Mazzara is just proving once again to be probably the best acquisition from uh, from the transfer portal this offseason. I don't want to say overall because Aiden Holloway does exist. But those two definitely have added another level to this team that just makes SEC conference play 
looks so much more manageable uh, than, the, than the gauntlet that's looking ahead of, of, of Auburn down the line. Outside of those those couple of guys, I mean, there, there's two big takeaways I have from this outside of what you've already covered. Um, one, Jalen Williams looks confident, man. I mean, obviously, he went on a nice little streak there of almost two complete games of not <laughs> of not missing a field goal, um, and he tried to baptize someone. That was funny. Uh, Jalen Williams looks confident. This is the most, I guess, cohesive I've seen him play um, in terms of uh, just being the guy, the right role player, which is kind of his, his, his shtick, but like, Knowing where he needs to be on the court, he doesn't look lost. Of course, he should not because he's the most experienced guy on this floor. But Jalen Williams is Auburn basketball history. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And the winning is <laughs> Auburn basketball history. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Jay Will looked very competent in terms of, or not just competent, but ex- extremely beneficial to his team um, and, and a great piece. Uh, we didn't do non con uh, polim- uh, excuse me, superlatives, which is fine. I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I feel like we needed to. But if we were going to, uh, Katie Johnson, I'm, I'm I'm ready to say comeback player of the year for Auburn. Uh, I, I am. Uh, this guy has just been a tremendously important piece. And this year, you're not banging your head on the wall whenever he goes on the floor and, and takes shots. He's shooting with confidence. He's still playing with that same tenacity, but he looks like he's harnessed it more, uh, which is which is huge. And and you're seeing that out of CBM too. Those two really play off each other, don't they? It's crazy. Um, but you're seeing it more about him kind of maintaining composure, which comes with experience. But Katie Johnson's just been a tremendous uh, comeback story, knowing his role. And saying, hey, I can get my buckets and get my flowers on, on that end of the floor as long as I take care of my role um, and, and, and play the lockdown brand of defense that we know we can. I'm, I'm fully ready to say uh, Auburn comeback player of the season um, just within the program. I would agree, too. I would also argue Dylan Cardwell. I uh, didn't have the greatest night last night, six points and three rebounds. But overall, it's non-conflate. He has looked the uh, he's looked the best version of Dylan Cardwell that we've seen since he's since gotten the plane. It's hard not to argue for that. Because uh, this team, I, again, there's two tournament level teams in this ten man rotation. And one of them. Let's not let's not go over. Uh, Trey Donaldson has been lights out coming on. Wow. He's been a great. No there is no drop off. Exactly, and he adds another element defensively that Aiden Holloway adds offensively because Trey Donaldson can go in, he can get you the steals and the blocks and the rebounds that you don't really get from Aiden Holloway, but then Aiden Holloway comes in, he's just like, well, I'm just going to stand behind the three-point line. If you try to block me, I'm just going to shoot it over your head. That's just what those that, – that two dynamic is just so good. And then, of course, Denver Jones played that two role very well. Uh, and a- after that, I mean, the only person we're still waiting to hear from is Chaney Johnson. And of course, Chris Chris Moore, uh, still waiting to see because those two are interchangeable at the at the four position going back and forth. Sure. And I don't really know when we're going to see those two break out and get the points. But I don't really think they need to. I think they found a role in this team defensively uh, because of their their uh, wingspan. Uh, people can't shoot over them. People can't just drive it on them. Uh, of course, this Auburn team has some issues with fouls. Uh, that has been pretty evident all season long, and that needs to be shut down before you get into deep in the SEC play. Because I think you you go into your back-to-back kryptonite. You go into Bud Walton, and then you go play against Buzzsaw and back-to-back meets. <laughs> so uh, only there's only a few things that need to be fixed, per se. Agreed. And, and you mentioned uh, – I'll go and roll into our preview of the Arkansas game. Uh, Auburn's heading to Fayetteville, Arkansas on Saturday. They'll tip off at two in a place that has been hell for Auburn basketball. It has been. I mean, I, I don't. Uh, I don't think I have to remind anybody about uh, one Wendell Green getting dunked on and then turning the lights off and storming the court against Auburn, which uh, Arkansas storms the court when they beat like Northeast yeah. Southwest in College of the Blind. But Super, Super Bowl Saturday for Arkansas fans. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, it, this this has been an underwhelming Arkansas team to this point, which makes me really scared of them. Uh, like really, really nervous and apprehensive because if you keep thinking that this team's got to get their stuff together, right? Uh, and when you look at how Traymond Marks playing, averaging 17 a game, and then you've got Kian Minifield, 15 a game, lead battle, 14-3, and then there's kind of a staunch drop drop out. There is a big three, and this group is 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 deep in terms of they've got uh, three, six, nine, 12, 12 guys, three, six, nine, 11 guys that'll that'll play double digit minutes um, coming up, coming off the bench, and they've got two kind of go to guys in Mark and Minifield Jr. But I mean, I'm not I'm not overly concerned, which makes me even more concerned, if that makes sense, Dylan, in terms of this team's just been streaky and inconsistent. 48% from the field, great. They're shooting 34-8 around average. 
uh, from the from the three point line, and they're only a seventy two percent free throw shooting team uh, combined. They turn the ball over uh, on average twelve and a half times a game. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I guess I, I think it's a little south. Of the, I may have, may have misspoke there. Maybe nine and a half a game, but still. They, they turn the ball over. They kind of get silly there. Uh, and, and it almost feels like they're playing from behind from the gate because this group has been so underwhelming this year. Uh, I mean, there have been close games that a lot of Arkansas fans are kind of grasping at straws that they, they feel like they should have won. Uh, but that loss to UNC Greensboro is not going away. Um, the five-point loss to Memphis, a very good Memphis team uh, is, is, on that, is on there. And then you play North Carolina semi-close, lose by 15. You lose to Oklahoma 79-70. Uh, it's – they're not playing up to their opponents um, to this point this year. Now that's kind of been Auburn's Achilles heel is playing down to opponents. Uh, and, and, we, and we've seen that. I mean, there was a, a point yesterday where I looked at my roommate and said, dude, I'm not having fun because Auburn's playing down to the UPenn and they should be beating the hell out of them. So there's certainly a lot of room for concern, but Walton arena is where Auburn teams go to die. I hate that place with every fiber in my being. Um, Eric Musselman's grasping at straws right now. It's not his job's not on the line. It's not what I'm talking about, but like, they got to get some wins. They need some Q1 wins now. Otherwise, they're going to be a fringe team come March. Uh, and they don't have an easy slate in the SEC. Just nobody has an easy slate in the SEC. But they certainly don't have an easy slate in the SEC. So it's important for both these teams to get off on the right start. But I, I, I like Auburn this one, though. I do, too. Uh, I mean, looking at it from uh, they only Arkansas really only has three main weapons uh, for, when it comes to, like, scoring – uh, but there, that's going to be another moment. And this is like a theme of, of the, of the season. It's up to Bruce Pearl to prove that his 10 is better than your 10. And I guess for, in this sake, in this sense, uh, prove that your 10 is better than your 11. And I think that's feasible because Auburn, I think has how, how many players on Auburn are in the double digits and points wise. I think it's, uh, as my ESPN craps on itself. Uh, just going through. Oh, they do have three, but Chabak Mazar is on the on the outside looking in nine point two. Uh, it comes down to Jani Broom and Jay Will. I, I think you're you're going to have to stop the interior scoring in this game. Uh, you need to shut down the crowd immediately because even if this Arkansas team was zero and twelve playing against the playing against Auburn, it'd be packed uh, because they're psychotic up there. Uh, and they yeah, love. There's a, there's a basketball culture. And it's a good basketball culture. And it's a basketball culture that loves it whenever their team can be an Auburn team. Uh, sure. And this is this is where that comes from. Then uh, we've seen this happen time and time again. I I believe the uh, 2019 team lost to uh, Arkansas in in Bud Walton, if I'm not mistaken. Jabari Smith and Walker yeah. Kessler lost in that arena. And then last year, the the Wendell Green got dunked on and got baptized and uh, lost in there again. Uh, and back-to-back games of, of this being Arkansas and Texas A&M, it's, it's back-to-back statement games for Bruce Pearl. Can you win in the hostile environment, and can you beat the guy who's had your number the last four years? I do like Auburn in this one. I think it's close. I I think it's going to be a, a, a boxing match uh, going back and like forth. Like Auburn, like 84-78. I, I, I was going to go like 80, 80 to 76. Like I like yeah. the four-point the four point deficit, I think, is is where I'm looking at here. Because uh, I mean, the, and this is just the start of a tough SEC slate. Because right after this, again, uh, you're going straight to uh, Tech. You're coming back home for A and M, and then of course you have a, a little bit of an easy stretch with LSU and Vanderbilt. And then uh, you yeah. get to take on Ole Miss, who's overperformed. Uh, where where we thought that they were going to be laying down and dying, but I'm not ready to. I'm not. I'm not ready yet to say that Ole Miss is real. Um, yeah, me neither. But then you get Alabama. I mean, like, it's buckle up, folks. It's it, <laughs> about to get bumpy. There's going to be some losses. It's going to happen. Uh, um, and you're not going to enjoy any of them. Uh, but the good news is, in your first uh, seven SEC games, you do get Vanderbilt twice. And you get a Mississippi State team that I think is severely overrated. And, like, don't just said LSU. But, I mean, it's – oh, my God. It's – it doesn't get easy ever, <laughs> ever. So yeah, um, eighteen games left on the schedule. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, eighteen SEC conference games. If you had to predict your Auburn's SEC conference record regular season, what would it be? Twelve and six. 
Colvin State. I like that. I like that a lot. I I here's my thing is I don't think Auburn loses at home this year. I think Maybe. your losses I think your losses come from Tennessee, which I hate that I'm admitting that. Uh I, I think that you lose to I I, I believe Missouri is a, is on a, a pretty good run right now. Uh, I think that could be a really tough game down the line. I, I I hate when Auburn plays in that airplane hangar in Tuscaloosa, but I just I don't know if Auburn sweeps Alabama this year. Uh, and Mississippi State as a team that I think or not Mississippi State. Who am I? I I, I, I might be Ole Miss. I think of. Ole Miss Mississippi, Mississippi State, State both, both scare me. Um, I'm really glad you get Georgia at home this year. Um, that's end the year, but guys, that game in Athens on February 24th, it has trap written all over it, all over it. Mike White has worked the portal. Mike White has worked the recruiting territory. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm nervous. That that, that it's one scares game, me. It's a game you lost. It's a game we lost last. They lost yeah. last year. Yeah, and you, it's you went, to, you went to Athens and just could not I, get it done in a close, gross game. 12 and 6 is it feels right. I mean 10 and 8 still gets you in the tournament, but you're you're gonna need you're gonna need some help. So I'm thinking 13 uh, yeah. and five. What's up? I'm thinking 13 and 5. 13 and 5 is aggressive, and I don't think I can get on board with that, but I don't I don't disrespect the opinion. All right, let's let's roll into Auburn women's basketball as they embark tonight as the show's coming out on the beginning of an SEC gauntlet. I mean schedule. Um I mean same thing. As they play host to the Tennessee Lady Volunteers, um, there's, yeah, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. it. Time to own up to whether or not you got depth because Tennessee does. Three, six, nine young ladies will rotate out and play 14 or more. Um, Rakia Jackson averaging 19, 19 flat. Caroline Stripling, 24, 12-4, excuse me. Uh, Sarah Puckett, 11-5. Uh, and then Jewel Spear, 11 flat. Jasmine Powell, 10 flat. You're starting five all averages and double digits. Now, here's the flip side. Here is the flip side. Tennessee is 7-5 and five coming in on the year with losses to Florida State, Indiana, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Middle Tennessee. Only ranked win being over number 22, Oklahoma, 76-73. This group has not been as good as we thought they would because I – neglected to mention uh, their their loss at the ha- helm of – let me see here. Who is that? Uh, oh, yeah, lo- losing losing Middle Tennessee. Yeah, I guess I didn't neglect that. But uh, this, this group's not been the shining spot that we thought that they potentially could be. Then, again, they've had an extremely tough non-conference go of it. Uh, very tough slate. you got to defend from the perimeter, shooting 31 flat, uh, 31 and a half. Um, they're shooting 42 from the field. And, and this group knocks down free throws at 72 flat. So it's not staggering numbers, Dylan, but a program with a lot of history coming to the Plains against a team in year three of a rebuild that really needs to turn some heads this year. Yeah, and I mean, looking at it from Auburn's perspective, you really only have one girl putting up double-digit points since on Scott Grayson. Uh, Jemai being a young, again, like I said with CBM, uh, another uh, primetime transfer coming in, put up 9.1 points. Uh, it's going to come down to the rebounding. Uh, we've not seen Savannah Scott really play to the level that she started off with in a, in a hot minute. Uh, and you've had you've had to rely on uh, Taylor Collins to kind of make up for what you lost in Savannah, Savannah Scott's productivity. Uh, this is going to have to be a game where Coach Jay is going to have to look at her squad and be like, y'all, you got to play as one. You can't have uh, everybody throwing up shots if it's not going down because I, I don't know I don't think Coach Jay really implies the whole live and die by the three mantra that uh, Auburn that Bruce Pearl had had adopted early on in his tenure here. Uh, you got you got to look at you got to look at your girls and go, you got to every, every single level of the game because no matter if this if this ten, if this Tennessee team is in there uh, seven and five or not, this is a program building win, and it, and it's in an arena that you've beaten Tennessee in before. Uh, a, a very highly ranked Tennessee team, uh, one that led to the storming of the court. Uh, we were there. Uh, Tar got trucked by Dylan <laughs> You got trucked by Dylan Cardwell. I did. Uh, but you got to look at it like that. This is a this is a, a game because you're also going to get into a little tough stretch of of the season as well. Uh, because what after this game you have 
A&M, yeah. Dice, Bali game. Dice, and then, of course, you have Ole Miss, and then you have LSU, back-to-back-to-back-to-back games. Yeah, that's that's four punches to the face right there. Right in the mouth. Yeah, yeah straight with, in the mouth. Yeah, just straight in the mouth, and you get lucky with it at Vanderbilt, but you have to start off hot. And if you're not going to – if you don't win, you at least got to look like you came to play. Right, 100%. I like, you know, I like, I like, I like Tennessee in this one, 75-65. I, right. I, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to pick Auburn to win, and I think it's going to be a barn burn. I'm going to go 69-67. Like it. I like it. Okay. As we roll through, we're going to roll through some uh, some other news real quick, Dylan, and then uh, we'll we'll touch on our last little note that we mentioned um, that we you and I actually looked up right before the show. Um, Auburn baseball. Ike Irish listed as a top 10 prospect for the 2025 MLB draft per perfect game. They're usually a pretty solid metric. Um, and that also does not surprise me whatsoever. Uh, Joseph Gonzalez, Tanner Bowman, um, Tanner Bowman, excuse me, Tanner Bowman, Cooper McMurray, and Bobby Pierce, all named legacy leaders for the team going into this year. As we roll into gymnastics, you have a quad meet on Saturday um, in Las Vegas. That's against UCLA, Cal, and Bama, um, and that will be at 8 p.m. We talked about that earlier in the week. Um, I mentioned find your dynamite. You said make sure you're uh, a balanced attack. As you look yeah, like you're I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to see. I'm uh, well. I was trying to look up and see if that game's going if that meet's gonna be televised because I. I think it's on ESPN. Is it? Because I don't know if uh, the gymnastic Auburn gymnastics website actually has it listed uh, for. Because they usually have like the program it's going to be on listed, but sure. I can I, I can go check real quick uh, as I'm speaking because it's going to be a very fun meet because not only you're playing against one of your one of your rivals, you're playing against three top ten teams. You're playing yep. against Alabama. You're playing against a blue blood of gymnastics in UCLA and, of course, Cal as well. Uh, I don't think Auburn's ranked right off the rip, no. uh, unless I'm blanking on it because they don't show it on the website, but I can definitely get into that as well. I'll let uh, you do that while I, while, I, while I talk on this last piece. Um, Maddie Prohaska, Auburn soccer. We're talking Auburn soccer right here on the College Loop podcast. Goalkeeper Maddie Prohaska is returning back um, for her fifth year at Auburn. And before we got on the air, Dylan and I did a little bit of math. Let me first mention that uh, Prohaska's accrued 259 saves over four years um, in, in the net for the Tigers. Um, her save percentage is 78 on her career. And uh, this uh, she's only given up 73 goals against, by the way, which is remarkable. Uh, we did a little bit of math. 75 games have been played by Matty Prohaska. The all-time Auburn record for games played is 97. You have the name in front of you, correct, Dylan? Uh, oh, well, I did until uh, I pulled up the, uh, the uh, preseason poll for gymnastics. Auburn is the 17th ranked jet squad uh, in the country right now. So it's going to be a battle of uh, four top 17 teams going into that quad meet on the – fixed so remember you have time to go watch auburn basketball and then of course going and watching auburn gymnastics as well i do believe that's going to be on there uh as you can tell i'm rifting trying to go back to find our name but as as, as mentioned before she uh, maddie prohaska has the opportunity if her team around her can get her some help and win some games um you make a little bit of run when you get get to play two extra games this year um if if, if you can if you can get deep enough uh in, in in the postseason uh, Matty Prosca may go down as uh, tied for first or second place um, in most games played in Auburn soccer history, which is just a really cool thing to acknowledge. And very, very excited to have her back. Like I mentioned, she's been lights out. Dylan's got the name in front of him. Uh, Alyssa Melanson has the record for matches played at 97. She played five years. And then I think we'll have to talk about how uh, it was Haley Whitaker, too. And then uh, I think Mary Coff. Is the only one that's actually played four years that actually made the top three on that list. But yeah, uh, be a huge, huge uh, milestone. Yeah, huge, huge accomplishment. Very, very excited for Maddie, and, and obviously a huge contributor to this team for the past four years, and will continue to be so for one more. That being said, that's all we've got today um, for the College Loop Podcast. I am Harrison Tar, and I tried to say my name before I gave you guys our outro riff beforehand. Again, back to back shows. I am on a roll here in 2024. I'm here, if you all. <laughs> College League listeners, you guys are the best people on planet Earth. You guys are the best community. We could not have dreamt up anything better. Thank you guys for your continual love and support. If you guys want to continue to support the show, 
If you're watching on the YouTube stream and you've not subscribed, uh, please do that. That'd be really cool and really nice of you. Make sure to like, subscribe, and ring the bell right here on the YouTube stream. Drop your comments. Give us your thoughts on anything, Auburn, anything you want to talk about. We want to talk about it on the next show. So make sure you guys give us some love there. If you are not listening on the YouTube stream, make sure you give us a five-star thumbs up, whatever the highest rating is, for your streaming platform of choice. Share the show with a friend so we can continue to grow the College Loop Looper family. You guys are the absolute best. If you want to continue to support the show, you can go over to thewarpoor.com, pick up your very own College Loop Warpoor co-branded Feeling Loopy t-shirt, five different colorways, $25. Link in the description. Use hashtag Feeling Loopy, Feeling Without the G on your favorite social media platform. We will throw your selfie of your co- College Loop Feeling Loopy t-shirt up on the next show. You guys are rock stars. I'm Harrison Tar at by Harrison Tar on the Bird app and on Instagram. Come hang out, show love, show support, show hate, whatever you guys want to do. I get it. So, That being said, I'm going to let Dylan get us out of here. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Enjoy Auburn men's basketball at Arkansas on Saturday. Everyone take a deep breath with me. We're going to be okay. You can live through the cardiac arrest. Dylan, let's get out of here. Of course, I'm Noah A-Boy Tank on Twitter slash X at Y-A-B-O-I the Tank. Also, have me on Instagram as well at Dylan Lark at D-Y-L-E-N-L-E-R-C-K. Also, have me right here on the College Loop. Just like, comment, subscribe. Leave your grades for Hugh Freeze on his first year here on the Plains. Leave your predictions for Auburn at Arkansas. Leave your predictions for Auburn women's basketball as they play Tennessee tonight as the show comes out, I think, tonight or just today. Today. It's, 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 yeah, this, well, it comes out in the morning, but the game's tonight, yeah. Yeah, I'm making sure that the game's tonight. Yes. Uh, yes, but, the week. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but, of course, if you want to follow us anywhere else, you have us on every single social media you can possibly think of, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the works, all of those at The College Loop. And, of course, you also have us on the audio version of the show as well. If you don't want to see our faces, completely understandable. Uh, but you'll have us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and, of course, Amazon Music. But, of course, all that being said, This has been the College of the Podcast. Love you guys.